What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike. Today, I want to talk about movies that never saw the light of day and the reasons why. You may have seen some controversy going around with the new Batgirl movie and DC and Warner Brothers completely shelving the product. We'll talk all about that. And then in the movie review, I'll talk about the new Brad Pitt action movie called Bullet Train. And in the trailer park, there is another superhero movie, this time with Sylvester Stallone. It's a very Sylvester Stallone role, and I think I'm here for it. Thanks, everybody, for being subscribed to the podcast, listening every single week. Movie crew, you guys know what this is. Let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. Unreleased, never before seen movies and the shocking reasons why. I got completely obsessed with this topic in the last week and it all started because of what happened with the new Batgirl movie. And maybe you haven't heard about this, but what has happened is that Warner Brothers and DC have decided to completely shelve the product. Warner Brothers is going through a lot right now, a lot of big changes that they are making to their streaming platform. HBO Max, and they have made the decision to not release this $90 million film. It won't go to theaters. It won't even go up on HBO Max. And there are a lot of reasons why, and none of them really make that much sense to me. Something that the director, the actors in this movie have been working on for the last couple years to get this movie made. You can only imagine how excited you are to release this movie. And now nobody's going to see it. And this isn't the first time this has happened. This has happened a lot in history, and in each of these cases we'll talk about, it's pretty mind-blowing. So, on the Batgirl case, it had a production budget of $90 million. They say they started screen testing it, which is where they bring in audiences. They watch the movie. They give their thoughts on it. 
And the movie supposedly tested pretty badly. And they were going to, you know, a movie that was already complete, they would have to go in and maybe make some changes, reshoot some things. But instead of that, they have just decided that they are not going to put out a movie unless they completely believe in it. And I think this has to do a lot with DC wanting to rival Marvel right now. And they've since said that they have this 10-year plan that's along the same lines of what Marvel does. Every movie comes out, it's part of their DC universe, and it all has to fit together and every piece has to be up to their standards. Because in the past, DC has been, you know, just said that they don't put out the best movies. They get ridiculed when some of these movies come out and they're always kind of seen as the ones who can't get it together. So for them, it would be worth it more to take the 90 million dollar hit and not put this movie out not have that image on their movies and there's another report saying that the movie is essentially not coming out because there is this tax loophole and in order for warner brothers to take advantage of this tax loophole that they'll make their money back from this movie as being able to completely write it off is that it can't exist anywhere they can't even throw it up on their streaming services because if they do that loophole no longer exists. There's also a specific window where they can take this loophole in and that time is now. I guess the sad thing for me is seeing Leslie Grace, who is a newer actress, and she put up this whole message saying that they had filmed this movie over seven months, put a lot into it, created a lot of good memories, but now it's sad that it's not actually coming out. She played the character Batgirl in this movie. She was supposed to team up with Batman, played by Michael Keaton, who was reprising the role from back in the Tim Burton days. And they were supposed to team up together and fight the supervillain Firefly, played by Brendan Fraser, who is also having a bit of a resurgence right now, kind of a comeback in his career. And this also sucks for him too. He's still gonna be in some other movies coming out that I'm excited about. But all these characters in this movie, you have Michael Keaton back as Batman, which he's also still supposed to be in the upcoming Flash movie. No definitive word yet on that movie even coming out, but it's still set for June 2023. So I'm curious to see what this new 10-year plan is and how the new Shazam movie and how Black Adam is going to play into that. Is that now going to be the bookend on this or is that the new kickoff for it? I don't really know at this point. And I talked about fairly recently how I was saying that I was more excited about the upcoming DC projects and maybe some of the stuff in Marvel. And I had so much faith in them. I think in the last few years, my favorite superhero movies that have really stayed with me have been DC films. The Batman and The Suicide Squad have been some that have left this kind of imprint in my head of being some of my favorite movies because they were so different, because I felt like the quality was a lot stronger. I found those movies to have a longer impression on me. And as the type of film fan that I am, they kind of spoke to me a little more than some of the Marvel movies, even though I love those as well. But there was just a little bit more to the style of those two movies, and they just happened to be DC movies. And in the back of my head, I'm just wondering, is this some kind of marketing plan? Because if it is, that would be amazing. If they cancel this movie, create all this uproar, create all this rising in their fandoms, that would be one of the smartest moves ever. And then come another couple months they're like you know what we're gonna put it out on hbo max anyway here it is and then it becomes the highest streaming movie ever on the platform if they do that kudos to them because i think so many people would be following along to this plot line 
that would be the only way we get to see this if they end up making that decision or somebody hacks into Warner Brothers and leaks the footage, which a lot of these movies I'm about to talk about, even though they never came out in theaters, some of them are still available on YouTube. So who knows? Maybe in 10 years, we'll get to at least see a few scenes or maybe some clips from the Batgirl movie. And the last thing I'll say about that is I did see more about this announcement they made and some changes to HBO Max that are upcoming next year that they are going to merge with Discovery Plus, which is interesting of the shows they are bringing over. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with all the movies, as we've seen in the last week that HBO Max has quietly removed some of their original movies, which was another thing I hadn't really seen before. I feel like once movies go on to streaming services... They just exist there forever. And this kind of goes back to me wanting to own some of my favorite movies as actual physical copies because you can't take those away. And I know sometimes people make fun of people who still buy Blu-rays or still collect DVDs because there is something to having something tangible. And you think, why collect them when you can just watch them on your favorite streaming service? Well, that's why, because they're not guaranteed to be there. Even the originals that they spend so much money on that they put on there, they can take those away too. So if you really love something and you never want to see it go away, have that physical copy. Unless somebody comes to your house and melts it or steals it, at least you own that. But let's continue on with the topic. While we're talking about superhero movies, did you know in 1994, there was a Fantastic Four movie made that was never released in theaters? Some say it was because it was never supposed to be released, that they only made this movie so they could keep the film rights. Stan Lee says one thing, that they made this movie with the intention of just that, it never actually coming out. The director, who was a known B-movie director, and what that means is kind of like cheesier, less quality type movies, movies just not up to that Hollywood standard. He was like, no, I put my entire creative process and my entire being into making this movie but this is back in 1994 long before the marvel we know now when they did make movies that weren't guaranteed hits whether it be this fantastic four movie or even movies like howard the duck they weren't as mainstream as they are now but after watching some clips of this movie on youtube I honestly think that it never saw the light of day because it is so bad. It is so cheesy. It does have that B-movie feel to it. The special effects aren't there, especially when it comes to the character, the thing. It kind of just looks like a parody of a superhero movie. And just to give you a feel for this movie, here is just a clip of the Fantastic Four. This is the moment where the character, the thing sees what he has become for the first time and listen to this clip and visualize the thing even though he sounds like Patrick Starr from Spongebob Squarepants. What kind of a thing have I turned into? What have you done? What have you done? Look at me! Ben, we're all gonna go get some help. So it seems that we didn't really miss a whole lot not seeing that Fantastic Four movie, a movie that Marvel is still yet to get down perfectly, maybe hopefully in the oncoming phases, maybe hopefully in the upcoming phase five and phase six where we get that superhero movie. They'll actually do it some justice, but if you want to see clips of that movie or want to watch the entire thing, you can just search Fantastic Four 1994 
on YouTube, and there's even a documentary called Doomed, The Untold Story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four, which is all about the making of that movie and how it never got released. Let's move on now to a movie called Empires of the Deep. It was supposed to come out in 2014. This is probably the most expensive movie on this list to never be released. At the end of production, this movie ended up costing $130 million. A lot of these other movies did not cost a fraction of this. $130 million. This movie was said to be a movie that was going to rival James Cameron's Avatar, which came out a few years before in 2009. This was an American and China joint adventure. It's supposed to be this movie about this war happens underwater between these two different kingdoms of mermaids and crabs. So many 3D special effects were supposed to be in this movie. But if you go and watch the trailer, it doesn't even look up to quality as like a cable TV movie. It actually looks more like a bad sci-fi movie from the 80s instead of a movie being produced in the 2010s. Just to give you a little taste of this, here is a little bit of the Empires of the Deep trailer. A thousand years have passed since our kingdoms have assembled. Lies in the prophecy and the power of the sacred temple. So the reason this movie never came out, even though there was a trailer out, it was being shown in theaters, that trailer was at least, and the movie went through 40 drafts of the script. Over five years, eight different screenwriters. It went through so many directors. You had actors who were there at the beginning of the movie and then were either fired or quit halfway through. So the entire thing was just a disaster. So on top of that, the cast ended up being made up primarily by unknown actors and they were supposed to really be banking on all these special effects. But with all those delays, all those changes, they never really got up to the quality that they were looking for when it came to using this 3D technology. Once that trailer finally came out, it was released, as you can imagine, fairly poorly. People ripped it to shreds, and therefore, this movie never came out. Aside from this trailer, we'll probably never get to see it. Up next is a movie called Dark Blood, which was supposed to come out in 1993. Dark Blood is the story of this young man known only as the boy, and this boy believes that the end of the world is near, so he lives in this self-imposed exile out in the desert, and this boy is played by no other than River Phoenix, who you may remember died in the 90s, and he passed away when roughly 80% of this movie was already done. So what a tragic death in Hollywood. Sometimes we forget about River Phoenix passing away. And after his death, the director was really set on finishing the movie because, yeah, 80% of it was already done. So he even approached his brother, Joaquin Phoenix, but his family rejected the idea of his younger brother being in the film. And essentially what he did to complete the movie was he filled in not having River Phoenix with some narration, put that over some of the missing scenes. But again, at the request of the family, at them just rejecting the idea of completing the movie without River Phoenix. The movie was never fully released, although it has been screened a handful of times at film festivals, most recently in 2012, which was almost 20 years after the movie was originally filmed. Out of all the movies on this list, I think this is one that actually would have done well, and it was shelved 
more due to a real life situation, a real tragedy, other than it just being a bad movie, not deserving to see the light of day, starring an actor that we just lost too soon. Next up, I want to talk about a movie called Don's Plum from 2001. And this movie is about a group of Los Angeles teenagers and they meet every week at this local diner and the movie is shot in black and white. It's a very jarring movie to look at, but it's all these pretty well-known actors now. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio as a character named Derek, Tobey Maguire as Ian, and Kevin Connolly, who you may remember from Entourage as another character named Jeremy And the movie Don's Plum is centered around this group of friends, all 20-something-year-olds. And they meet at this restaurant, which is called Don's Plum, every single Saturday night. It's them hanging out with girls. They get into a lot of verbal and physical altercations. And there was really very little of a plot at all. It was kind of just a hangout movie, supposed to be a lot of improv. Just to give you kind of a feel for it, here's a clip of the movie that's actually posted on YouTube. You know that, right? Seriously. Come here. All the f- is the hug. And I want you guys to f- mean it, all right? So whatever this is all about, 10 years from now, you know what I'm saying? And I want you guys to f- mean it. And that just happens to be one of the best clips of the movie because much of the movie is improvised. A lot of it I heard and from my research was saying that Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire just kind of pulled a lot from their real life and got into their characters, but were really kind of portraying some things maybe they went through, some of their own feelings, but it's all improv. That's what you do in improv. You pull from your real life experiences and bring that out through a character But I think once the movie was done, they realized maybe it didn't show them in the best light. And when they signed up for the movie, it was only supposed to be a short. They had no idea it was actually going to be a feature length movie. They were only paid $575 per day to appear in this film. So one of the producers on the movie actually allegedly said that Tobey Maguire didn't want the movie to come out because he felt his improvised performance just revealed too much about him. And this producer named David Stutman actually filed a lawsuit in 1998 against DiCaprio and McGuire, and they were able to settle on allowing the film to be released outside of the U.S., outside of Canada, after some of the scenes were removed. But the movie is available on YouTube. But it is kind of interesting to see them that young, especially because Tobey Maguire and Leonardo DiCaprio have been friends since they were young. And Don's Plum was actually the second movie they did together. They did another movie in 1993 called This Boy's Life. And they would do their third movie together in 2013 with The Great Gatsby. I think they actually have a lot of great on-screen chemistry because they are friends. Aside from that, there's nothing really making me want to sit down and watch Don's Plum. Now, you probably know the movie Revenge of the Nerds, which came out in 1984. But it was supposed to be revived and rebooted in the 2000s. In 2006, there was a movie starring Adam Brody and Jenna Dewan, directed by Kyle Newman, who also did a movie in 2009 later called Fanboys. And it was actually filmed partially in 2006, but production was quickly put to a stop and the movie had issues right off the bat. First of all, they were filming on Emory University and they ended up objecting to the script and forced the filmmakers to go out and find a new location because they didn't want them anymore. And that all happened on pretty short notice. And then about two weeks after filming, 
the executives at the studio felt the movie looked too small and decided the entire project wasn't coming together how they had hoped. So they completely shut down filming. The cast and crew did end up getting paid, but they all just ended up having to go their separate ways. If you look back on the original Revenge of the Nerds, there are some things in that movie you probably couldn't make today. So I think when they were making this movie, maybe they were going a little bit harder at some of those themes, some of those topics, some of those scenes. And it was seen maybe as inappropriate, maybe as something that maybe something so bad or just that times had progressed in the 2000s that they didn't want to be a part of that college just didn't want to be associated with that. Maybe it's just a movie that didn't really need to be rebooted. There's a really interesting case of a movie from 1972 called The Day the Clown Died. There's quite an interesting urban legend surrounding this movie, which stars Jerry Lewis, who plays a clown at a Nazi internment camp. Sounds like a pretty wild premise. And Jerry Lewis, who is known primarily for comedy... He was reluctant to take on this role of a clown, but agreed to star in and direct the movie. I think in the beginning stages of this movie, while they were writing it, while he agreed to direct it, he felt like he was doing something that would be exposing the horrors of the Holocaust. And then as production started and they're filming this movie, kind of realized that they were doing something that they weren't really going to be proud of. The message wasn't getting out there. And even right off the bat, the movie had financial problems. They disagreed on parts of the script. They had some arguments with the writer of the movie. Jerry Lewis had made some changes to the script to make the clown more sympathetic instead of being this cowardly and selfish character that was written. And then the rights of the film got ripped to shreds. But what ended up happening is that Jerry Lewis himself was able to secure the rights to this movie. He had the rough cut. And at the end of it, he was just embarrassed by it and didn't want this movie to come out. And in the end, he was embarrassed by the low quality of the film and was happy when it never saw the light of day. But before he died in August of 2017, he donated the incomplete copy of the movie to the Library of Congress. He did this in 2015, and it was under the stipulation that the movie not be screened before June 2024. So we have a couple years until we can actually see this movie. And then finally, I want to talk about a movie called 100 Years, which was filmed and advertised back in 2005 with the tagline of the movie you will never see. This movie hasn't been seen by anybody because it's supposed to be released on November 18th, 2115. That is correct. 2115 is when this movie is supposed to be released, 100 years after it was filmed. Now, why is that, you may ask? Well, the movie 100 Years is this experimental sci-fi movie written by John Malkovich and directed by Robert Rodriguez. And what it seems on the surface of this movie, it was all kind of a marketing thing for this alcohol that I won't even mention the name of, but that they say takes a hundred and years to make a bottle of this. So paired with that advertisement on this alcohol, there's this short film that exists that they say was actually filmed, that it is a real thing that was locked away in this safe that will somehow automatically open on November 18th, 2115. And that's when we can finally see this movie. So the whole thing just kind of feels like a commercial because they say the entire plot of this movie is completely secret. They put out some trailers of the movie, which 
you see this safe and this alcohol in it. And there's some exterior shots of this very futuristic world, I guess, what they envision the world will look like in 2115. But none of us will be around to see the premiere. And it's being kept in this really high-tech safe behind bulletproof glass. I think there's probably nothing in there. I guess that same year, we'll also get the Bad Girl movie. But I hope you enjoyed that. Those are movies that have never seen the light of day. Coming up, I'll give my review of Bullet Train, and then we'll talk about a new Sylvester Stallone movie where he plays a superhero. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Let's get into a movie review. Let's talk about Bullet Train, starring Brad Pitt. It's an action thriller, but really not one of your typical action movies. It really wasn't what I was expecting at all. It's about these five assassins. They all get on board this fast-moving bullet train. So it's kind of like a bottle movie. And then the entire thing is a little bit mystery. You're trying to figure out how all of their lives intertwine, which I really like that aspect to it. Before I get into my full review, here's just a little taste of Bullet Train. You stab me? <laughs> Never start coming for you. What? Ah! I missed my stop. Something else going on here. Hi. You don't remember me. You look like every white homeless man I've ever seen. Really? You don't remember me? So maybe that trailer paints a little bit more of a picture of what this movie's about, what the style is. I think it took me about 20 maybe even 25 minutes to get into this movie. It's a little bit of an acquired taste, and I think that may take some people out of this movie, but once you get into it, you realize the comedic style, you realize the over-the-top action style. It really is a fun ride because the movie is part murder mystery, part action, part comedy, so it's all these things kind of working together, but the jokes are very exaggerated, the action is very exaggerated, and the movie is based on a Japanese novel. It takes place on this bullet train in Japan. So I almost feel like it borrows from that kind of anime style where 
You know, it's very expressive, which on the surface level may feel a little bit corny, especially when you go into it just expecting, oh, it's Brad Pitt in an action movie. But once you allow yourself to understand what is going on, know that it's supposed to be over exaggerated for a reason, you realize there's something a little bit more there. And what I really liked about this is the direction on the action. It's very practical. And I think that's because it's directed by David Leach. He also did movies like Deadpool 2. He worked on the first John Wick movie. So I know that's why a lot of people are comparing it to that. He has a relationship with Brad Pitt. He was a stunt double in movies like Fight Club, Troy, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And he worked with Brad Pitt to get him to be able to do his own stunts in this movie. And I thought that added a pretty good touch to it. It's not like he's jumping off of buildings or doing anything too out there. But the fact that it is Brad Pitt, who is almost 60, which I found pretty surprising, doing about 95% of his stunts, I think that shows his commitment at his point in his career where he could just hop out and have a stunt double do this. And within that action, it kind of feels like part Kill Bill, part anime, part comedy. And at moments, it does kind of feel like it's trying a little bit too hard to have that Tarantino-esque style to it. But it's not as artsy. It's not as cinematic enough to be a Quentin Tarantino movie. But I do think it is the over-exaggeration of these characters of the comedy that gives this movie a little bit of charm. I ended up enjoying that all the senses were over heightened, all the facial expressions were very kind of comical, cartoon-like, but I can see where that may lose some people. I think I actually saw a couple get up at one point during the movie and leave and never come back. And maybe it's because it is over-the-top violent. I'm talking people getting stabbed, sliced in half, that kind of thing, where it doesn't really feel completely realistic, but if you're not comfortable with a lot of blood and guts, maybe really not your thing, even though it happens so frequently throughout the entire movie. It's not really shocking. It's just kind of like, oh, that's what this movie is. So it's kind of in that same John Wick. We're going for a lot of blood, a lot of death in this movie. But I think where this movie really shines is with the movie star Brad Pitt. If it wouldn't have been for Brad Pitt, I'm not sure I would have liked this movie at all. I kind of realize why he is a movie star and because he is so captivating to watch there's something about Brad Pitt being on screen that really just pulls me into the movie and he knows what it takes to create a character to live in that character and I really enjoyed seeing his performance of playing this assassin who is kind of on the road to recovery he is very in touch with his emotions and wanting to get to a place where he doesn't have to do this type of work. So he almost has this very chill zen-like attitude throughout the movie while he's getting into fights and trying to avoid being killed. And from an interview I saw with the director, that was largely due to Brad Pitt putting that into his own character. So you have Brad Pitt really carrying this movie, but it's also just a really great cast all the way around from Bad Bunny to Joey King. And I thought Brian Tyree Henry and Aaron Taylor Johnson were a really great duo. I almost feel like they could have had a movie on their own. The other parts of this that I liked, it did all take place within one location, which you think could get boring after a while. And you think of movies like Murder on the Orient Express or Death on the Nile 
where it's not something that hasn't been done before. But I thought unlike other movies where it just takes place primarily in one location, there was so much going on because it goes between all the five assassin storylines. There's flashbacks. So it always feels like it's moving along. And as far as only really seeing the bullet train in the entire movie, it doesn't really feel like it gets stale at any point. And I guess what I was expecting was a little bit more straight on of an action movie, a little bit more of a darker tone. And this movie just has a lot of bright comedic spots and it's pretty hard to get me to laugh during a movie but I did find myself maybe not like dying laughing but a couple of outward chuckles this movie got out of me so I'm almost hesitant to say that it is a comedy because you could go into this and think that wasn't funny at all I found it kind of stupid that's kind of the line that this movie walks you can either totally be in the mood for this. It's a very good Friday night, almost reminiscent of like a 90s action comedy movie. But if you're not in the mood for that, you could think this is one of the dumbest movies you'll see all year. Because even though it has the star power, it has some fun action, it doesn't do anything particularly well. There's not one quality of this movie that I felt really defined this that created something long lasting with me. It kind of just felt like, oh, that was a fun, entertaining ride. Nothing completely novel nothing I think that is going to change the way action movies are made. It almost kind of felt like riding the wave down in all the summer action we've had so far, but it's a pretty fun way down. So I think if you're a fan of movies like Kill Bill, if you like very campy animated things and over the top blood and violence, I think this could be the movie for you. But if you're going in expecting to be wowed by Brad Pitt being an action star, I don't really think that movie will meet those needs for you. So it's not one I would say to rush to the theater and watch right now. Unless you have very low expectations on what you take from an action movie, then you might find this one as enjoyable as I did. So if I had to rate Bullet Train, I would give it 3.5 out of 5 man buns. And that is a reference to a moment in the movie where Brad Pitt puts his hair up into a man bun. And I realized, man, that dude still has it. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. 
Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. This week, we are talking about Samaritan, which is a new superhero movie starring Sylvester Stallone. He plays the character Samaritan, who apparently died many, many years ago, has gone into hiding, is now working picking up garbage. But there is this kid who is 13 years old and suspects him to be a superhero. So before we get into what we think about this trailer, here's just a little bit of Samaritan. I found him. Samaritan. Samaritan died 25 years ago. That's what they say. You think you live across from a superhero? Do you have a therapist, kid? Kid. Samaritan's dead. I pick up garbage for a living, pal. Samaritan cleaned up the streets. <laughs> you mind your business, I'll mind mine. So what you hear there at the end of the trailer is Sylvester Stallone's character, who is Joe Smith, a.k.a. Samaritan, getting hit by a car and totally gets annihilated, taken out by this car, is all bruised up and broken bone, and then is able to pop all those bones back into place because he is a superhero. And the kid in that clip is Sam Cleary, who is played by the same actor who is Ashtray in Euphoria. And you also hear Martin Starr in that, who was in Freaks and Geeks back in the day. He's also in Silicon Valley, a very funny actor. And what this movie is about is 24 years ago, there was this super-powered vigilante named Samaritan. He supposedly died in a warehouse battle with his rival. The whole thing went up in flames. He was taken out by Nemesis, but he has stayed living in secret. And now crime is coming back up, and you have this kid, Sam, who wants him to come out of hiding to save the city. And it kind of feels like an old-school 80s action movie very similar to what we have seen Sylvester Stallone in before, but I'm kind of all about it. I like the idea of an aged superhero. It kind of reminds me of one of my favorite animated Batman movies called The Dark Knight Returns, which came out in 2013. Has nothing to do really with the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight. That movie is about Batman coming out of retirement. He's in his 50s now and he fights the Joker. He fights Two-Face and then gets involved in this battle to the death against Superman. There is a part one and part two on HBO Max if you haven't seen that. But that is what this new Sylvester Stallone movie kind of reminds me of. This idea of a superhero who isn't as strong or fast or doesn't even recover as quickly as he used to. I think that's a pretty interesting premise. And if you put him against his old arch nemesis, I think even if it's a little bit cheesy, even if it's a little bit cliche, at least there's something a little bit more here to chew on. This movie was actually supposed to come out in theaters and has been delayed time after time. They filmed it back in 2020 and it was supposed to be released in November 2020 and that got pushed back all the way to June 4th of 2021 last year. Never came out in theaters, but now it's coming out on August 26, 2022 after Amazon bought MGM and they're like, you know what, let's just put it out on Prime Video. 
And I just got to say, shout out to Sylvester Stallone, who is 76 years old and still doing this type of action movie. He doesn't have to do this. At 76 years old, I'm just going to be chilling. I'm not trying to fight anybody anymore. I don't know if he still just enjoys making movies that much or this was just something that he really believed in. I feel like he's still a very passionate actor who I feel like he will keep making movies probably until his 80s. So this is one I'm curious to check out on Amazon. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that's going to do it for another episode here on the podcast. And for my listener shout out this week, I'm going over to my Instagram DMs. And I got a DM from Pastor Oviedo. And he wrote, hey, Mike, I am learning English and practicing while listening to Movie Mike's movie podcast. I'm a Venezuelan actor living in Mexico City, and I appreciate the content that you are doing. By the way, Lilo and Stitch is my favorite animated film. I think it's amazing you're trying to learn English. I may not be the best example as the one to listen to to learn how to speak English. But I remember this is something I experienced as well. My parents were both born and raised in Mexico they moved to the United States and had to learn English primarily by watching TV. My older brother and sister learned so much by watching Sesame Street. And I think my parents watched it with them too and picked up on things because they didn't speak any English. So later, once I was born, I also learned a lot from Sesame Street because still now to this day, my parents will speak Spanish to me and we just kind of have this way of communicating of sometimes I speak back half in English, half in Spanish, but I do owe a lot of learning English to television. I think if maybe podcasts were a thing back in the day, I would have taken this approach too, but appreciate that message, Pastor, and all the luck into learning English. It's a very weird language. A lot of things don't make sense. So I will do my best in representing the language as best as I can. Thanks everybody for listening. If you don't mind, if you enjoyed this episode and think you have a friend who may enjoy it too, share it with them, text it to them, tag them in your Instagram story. Or if you don't want to bother a friend, just do me a favor and wherever you're listening, whether it be on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, rate it five stars, write a quick little review. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. You can do it in seconds and it helps me out in the podcast algorithm, helps me compete with all the other movie podcasts out there. And until next time, Go out and watch good movies, and I will talk to you later. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> Redwood Forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. 
This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.